So we are now recording. Yay! Welcome to the third episode of Absolutely Not. My name is Katrina Yay. Troll and I am the host. Yay! I created this space because I myself have difficulties setting personal boundaries and I did not know what to do about it. Therapy is super expensive and a lot of people that come to me for career coaching um, services they actually don't know how to set boundaries and I don't know how to tell them because I have a difficulty doing it. So I was just stuck between a hard rock and a hard place. Um, so I decided to go out into the world and find those resources and just record it for everyone to see. A boundary, the definition of a boundary is something that indicates or fixes a limit somewhere where something stops. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about setting boundaries as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. My special guest today is Aaron Backman. Aaron Backman is an HR business partner, recruiter, HR consultant with over 10 years of experience in people operations, supporting organizations of every shape, size, and industry with an extensive background in modern recruitment and people first Workplace initiatives, Aaron works with organizational leaders to develop process, procedures, and policy that respect the myriad of human experience. You can find Aaron on LinkedIn challenging the status quo in recruitment and people ops, as well as leading discussions around empathy, equity, and opportunity for marginalized groups. Please help me in welcoming Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Katrina. I really appreciate it. And I'm so happy that you're here today. This is a really sensitive topic that we're gonna be talking about today. And I already feel myself getting emotional. Please everyone in the room, if you feel yourself getting emotional and you need me to stop, just let me know in the chat, utilize the chat box. Also utilize the chat throughout this entire experience if you have any questions or comments about what we're going to discuss. But without further ado, Erin, let's get into it. If you could introduce yourself to the group and let us know why you're excited about being on the show. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm Aaron Backman. Yeah, thank you. I, your, your synopsis of me was very accurate. One of those accidental HR folks. Um, I'm just really excited to be here today talking with you because you're out here connected to so many LGBT people in the workforce and we have so few resources available to us from people who have you know been around through different times culturally and have had to really work really hard to have healthy relationships with their employers over time and learn how to have boundaries in the workplace. And they're, they're so important to ensure that we're treated as the humans we are. Um, so I just, it's such an important topic. So I'm of course happy to be here discussing it with you today. Oh, thank you so much. And I can already feel the waterworks coming on, but I already warned <laughs> y'all, so get ready. Um, first, I'm gonna ask you, what does a boundary mean to you? Yeah, so for me, boundaries are one of those elastic concepts that can fall into a couple of different subcategories. But for me, they all surround upon having an expectation and then a limit for how you and others behave in a shared context. So, you know, we, we share these in a number of ways and we're often 
blissfully unaware that we're even communicating boundaries to other people. Um, I, there, it's really a lot of them are unspoken. And we, we realize that when we think back on a, a lot of situations that we've had. So I, I really love them. I put them down all the time. Um, I think they're a really good means of preemptive conflict resolution um, by setting those boundaries, you know, we're, we're making sure that we're avoiding conflict in the future. And that's really important. So some examples, you know, we've got physical boundaries. Those are ones that are probably the most familiar with people. That's going to be, you know, the tangible stuff, your things that you own, your personal space or bubble. It's how people touch you and when they touch you and when that's okay. So, you know, you're, you're, you get in the pattern here. This is, it's how we, we interact with one another. And then of course, I think we've got mental and emotional boundaries, which are much harder to set. They're much harder to identify and much harder to enforce. Um, you know, it's very similar to the physical boundaries, but they're very important for your overall career satisfaction and personal well-being. Um, this is going to be things like your energy level. That can be a boundary. How much energy you put into any given, you know, task or to an organization or to a relationship or conversation, that's a boundary you can set. How much energy you put into it, it's it's your soul, you know. That's that's how much you're you're putting into it. Your thoughts, your beliefs, your ideals. This can be saying no to something, or yes, you know. Those they're all different types of boundaries. I think it's there it's a hard concept because boundaries are different for everybody right mm -hmm. and yeah there may be a definition but we all have that like personalized definition so for me those are you know the biggest ones is our physical mental and emotional boundaries nice and you kind of described how some boundaries don't even need to be said i have a mean um, stare when somebody is trying to cross over a boundary. Um, but I do have difficulties voicing my boundaries um, and mm -hmm. saying, hey, um, that was really weird what you just said. I did not like it. It's hard for me to do that. Is it ever difficult for you to do that? I think it depends on context, really. Um, you know, it, it, certain situations I I, I definitely have the same problem you do uh, on occasion where I'm maybe a little too in my head and, you know, too worried about hurting people's feelings or, or something like that. And I'm not respecting my own needs in the moment. Um, so, and of course, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> this happens. I've got like the little squirrel brain, just see something shiny and it goes off. So, um, I'm, I apologize, I forgot. No, you're okay. And um, I was talking about how difficult it is for me to voice my boundaries. I can do the mm. mean girl stare all day. I can walk away <laughs> from somebody. I can um, kind of cut off communication with people if I need to. I can even leave whole organizations. But to be able to walk into an office, have that sit down and say, hey, these are the reasons why I'm uncomfortable. I'm not to that point yet. And I just wanted mm -hmm. to know if you have difficulty doing it. Uh, in that respect, probably not. I'm pretty aggressively me. Uh, I, I bring my full self to everywhere I go, whether people are really interested in him or not. Um, 
so I, I have less trouble with that, but I, I haven't always. Um, I, I think the best word to describe my, my young queer self is uh, submissive, just very scared of the world and of how other people will react to me. And at a certain point, I set that boundary with myself that I was not going to let other people and my fear of them stop me from doing the things that I needed to do. Okay. If, does anybody else need a cry break? No? Okay. I'll I think we've it. got we've got something in the chat. Well, let's see here. what it says. Do you worry Oops, about coming across as aggressive when setting a boundary? Oh wow, that's a good question. I'm not sure if that was for you, Aaron, or for me, but for me, I will say I definitely all the time I'm always worried about coming off as aggressive. There's that mean uh, angry black girl trope, especially if you're in spaces where you're the only black woman in there. Um, as soon as I say something to the point of, hey, that's not what we're doing here, or that's not what I want to do, immediately like, whoa, what is, throw your hands up. Um, so I've experienced that multiple times. What about you, Erin? Have you ever experienced anything like that? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, I definitely worry about coming across as aggressive. Um, but I think in, in the professional context, most of the people I'm interacting with know that I am, I'm, I'm a very nice person, like 99.99% of the time. So if I'm being perceived as aggressive, that should be an indication to them that I am passionate. Um, this isn't aggression, this isn't anger, this is passion, this is something that I care about, this is something that is important to the core of me, often, if, if I'm being aggressive, it's, this is something at, at the core of who I am and something I care about. So mm -hmm. you can think I'm aggressive all you want, I'm passionate. And I think a lot of the messages that I've gotten throughout my life, um, whenever I spoke up, um, externally people have said, hey, this is not the time or the place, or hey, you have an attitude, or hey, da, da, da. so those messages weigh on me, and I constantly carry them into adulthood, and I'm just, once again, trying to figure out how to let them go and set those boundaries, even at work, um, but to go back to what you said previously, when you said the word submissive as a queer person, who that's what brought on the waterworks, because um, that word submissive, is something that I still do at work. Um, as soon as somebody asks for something, I'm like, oh, sure, servant. They even say servant leadership. So it's something I'm trying to get away from and trying to see who I'm serving. So I'm trying to serve myself first and foremost. Oh, okay. I, I warned y'all, I am very, whew. Okay, um, you said you have no difficulty setting boundaries. Could you, um, you have some difficulty setting boundaries, but you yourself, Erin, you can do it. You can. I can. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Great. Could you um, kind of see why other people would have difficulty setting boundaries? Absolutely. I think, especially at work, power dynamics are the biggest barrier to setting boundaries. People, especially in the United States where we have so few worker protections, especially if you're LGBTQ, if you're black, brown, it, it, there are so few protections and the burden of proof for, you know, making like proving that someone has discriminated against you is so hard. Um, 
that a lot of us are just, we're, we're scared, we're afraid, we're worried about how we're going to take care of ourselves. And often it's easier to be submissive and to not establish those boundaries. Um, but the easy road is often not the one that gets us where we want to be, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I try to take the hard road as, as often as I can. And I'm, I, I, I encourage others to do so. Um, you know, there's strength in numbers. The more people who feel comfortable voicing their boundaries with their managers, the more their manager is going to have to accept that their employees and their, their team are going to be setting boundaries with them and that that manager is going to have to be flexible for the individual humans that they are responsible for on their team. Absolutely. And I, I think I see a lot of leaders out there that don't understand that part. You are responsible for these human beings on your team, uh, regardless of how you feel or how um, your beliefs prior to joining this organization, you are now in charge of these people's lives for 40 plus hours of the week, honey. So um, you should probably start caring about their values, their beliefs and their boundaries. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. One of the words that caught me when you were speaking was proof. Do you know how hard it is to prove that somebody is discriminating against you? Or how hard it is to say, hey, um, I don't know if you know this, but that goes against everything, our, our structural values, our organization's beliefs, especially if they're above you in the leadership position. Uh, I just want to put that out there. It is that proof part. Woo, hit me. But um, have you ever had to set a boundary with somebody in a leadership position or a manager? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I've, I've always been in service related roles. Um, that's, that is my whole purpose for being in this earth is to provide service to others in a number of capacities. So, you know, I've, I've always had to answer to somebody. I'm not necessarily the one in charge, not the, the, the big boss. So, um, most of my stories, you know, require some grand dramatic backstory to really set the stage. But I think for me, the best, one of my best examples was my very first job. I had a manager who was an equally um, passionate person as me, and we had very strong ideas. And it's hard to believe, but I was even more stubborn and uh, aggressive in my, in my younger years. And we had a system in place for us to set boundaries on the fly. And it, you can view it as a conflict resolution technique if you want, but we had a code word. So when we're interacting with one another, we have this term that we have established in advance that both of us know when this is uttered, we stop on that topic. The boundary has been reached. There's no going further. And we both have to respect that if we want to continue to have a good relationship together. And we used it all the time for the smallest of things to the big, big, big things where it's like, okay, no, you have just disrespected who I am or like my partner or, you know, my identity and I'm not going to stand for it. We'll come back to it later, but we're using that code word because we realize when your boundary is reached, you're often not in 
a place mentally to be able to have a constructive dialogue mm -hmm. about that. Um, I don't think it's our responsibility to necessarily fully educate people to, you know, like spell it out for them. Like you hurt me because of X, Y, Z and these 37 historical references as to how LGBT people or black people or whatever have been, you know, we the challenges that we have dealt with over time. Like, I'm not gonna read you a dissertation on that, but I am going to say, you have disrespected me, my identity, and by extension, the people I care about most in this world, and I cannot accept that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I need, um, and I need you, for us to have a good relationship, to understand that I can't tolerate talk like that further. Mm -hmm. And if there is, we will be having a much harder discussion. <clears throat> and I love that you emphasize no explanation is needed. Um, I cannot, I cannot count on any of my hands, fingers and toes, how many times people ask the question, why? Why is this offensive? Why is this, um, why are you getting upset? Um, can we have this conversation now? No, also everything, the why <laughs> is traumatic. It is traumatic. You want me to sit here and have a cake and tea conversation about trauma with you at work? No, sir, no ma'am, no turkey, no ham. Um, not for me. Uh, yeah, I, that's, you bring up a really good point and that's, I, I, I'm not here to educate everybody to the fullest extent. You know, I think it's, if I tell you that you have, um, you know, you violated that boundary or you have hurt me in this way, I've said, you know, what caused it. It's your job now to think about the why. Mm -hmm. This is a, this, I, I don't live in a vacuum, you know, you are here with me. You are another human being and you are also capable of critical thinking. And I need you to employ those skills right in this moment. Oh, I need you. Let me write this down. I need you to employ these skills right in this moment. And it, we're all capable of it. We all exercise critical thinking skills all day, every day. It's just, are we choosing to apply it to this situation? Ooh. Oh, let's see, chat. Look it up on your own time. Yes, Kristen, exactly. Speaking of on the fly, how do you deal with humor? as an excuse come on i was just kidding oh no that let's talk about gaslighting that come on i was just kidding don't be so sensitive is gaslighting that is what that is. is so um i myself I, I i talk a big game on this show but if that happened to me i would probably do the fake laugh i'm not gonna lie i do i have done the fake laugh for most of my life and that's why i have this show because i am done fake laughing i'm so done with it i'm I'm ready to say, uh, what I need you to <laughs> these skills right now at this time, be a human being and be compassionate about the other human beings you're working with. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Erin, thank you so much for being a powerful, um, a powerhouse on this show because I need this. This is what it's for. This is what this space is for. But I do want to talk about sometimes maybe you weren't able to set boundaries and you wish you had in your professional career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm happy to get into that. I think it it's definitely from the earlier parts of my career when I was really still figuring out who Aaron is. Um, and I think that's an ongoing process and we're in a, a current 
heavy building phase on that. Um, but I've always been obviously gay. Um, I, since I was two years old and my mother asked the doctor, you know, I, I, I'm obvious and I'm okay with that because that's me, that's who I am. Um, but it has invited a lot of really unwelcome behavior for a long time. Um, and, you know, I think I wish I would have set more boundaries around the jokes and disparaging remarks. Um, you know, my, my opinion on comedy has changed considerably over the years. And I, I come back to this, this statement. It's not funny if nobody's laughing. I, so in those situations now, I just go deadpan. You're not getting a fake laugh out of me. I'm, you get deadpan, you're gonna know I'm not into this. Um, but back to the, the question of, about a particular time I should have set boundaries, um, reminds me of when we were passing referendum 74 in Washington state, which is the legislation that granted same-sex couples the right to marry. Uh, I was still relatively new in my career, so, you know, jobs were not as stable, and we did not have legal protections for being gay yet at the time, so it was a very difficult time to, to be gay in the workplace because we, we weren't protected and we couldn't speak up about things, and I was visiting a site and sitting in the local manager's office, I took it over because I needed to be in there, and they're playing their Christian radio station, which in itself is fine. I don't, you know, everyone has their things. It's not mine, but it's okay. Until the vote no on referendum 74 commercials start playing on that radio station. And I'm having to hear them vilify the core of my identity, saying untrue things, hurtful things, which I've heard most of my life. And I'm fairly, you know, I have a thick battle armor for homophobia, um, but it still gets to you to a certain degree. Like you can't catch every arrow. You, There are some that are still gonna make contact. And yeah, I may be able to get it out easily and, and move on, but I'm, I'm still hurt by it. And I did nothing and I'm, it's one of the times in my career that I, I wish I would have, I would have said something sooner. Um, I was in an environment where I did not trust my leadership. I didn't trust them to protect me. I didn't believe they would protect me because it was a staffing agency. We treated people like numbers and everyone was replaceable. So, you know, I didn't feel comfortable going to leadership and saying this manager is playing anti-gay advertisements on a radio station in their office that we have candidates in and all this stuff. I didn't do that until the very end. And I found out that he would have been terminated on the spot. Which he was terminated, but for other reasons because he was falsifying his sales activities. So, you know, I, I think back on that and I'm like, how, I could have made my life so much better by saying that that was unacceptable. I could have made my company better by getting a bad manager out 
and allowing us the opportunity to get a good one in. And I, you know, I, I soured my own milk with that company. I just, you just didn't feel the same after that. Because if one person thinks it's acceptable, how many other people think it's acceptable? Mm -hmm. and you see no one else is saying anything in this office about mm -hmm. this, this radio station and the messaging that's coming across, but you know, no one's saying anything. Does nobody care? It was stressful, but mm -hmm. I endured. <laughs> Oh, and that's just one of the many examples of how that happens on a daily basis in so many organizations. But your one voice, your one powerful voice could have changed that for you so much sooner, just like you said. Um, I know that you back then you're probably afraid of pushback. You say you treat people like numbers. People are constantly afraid that they're going to lose their job if they say anything about discrimination or the um, workplace environment as a whole, the culture of the company. They're afraid that they're immediately gonna be terminated and replaced. Um, have you ever set a boundary and received pushback on that from your employer? <laughs> I think like every time, uh, because I find myself often, when I'm setting boundaries, I'm often having to set them with senior business leaders mm -hmm. who are not accustomed to having people uh, tell them no, or stick up for themselves, or say, no, I don't think what you just said was appropriate. I'm going to ask you to not say that again. And they don't like it. They do not like it. Um, so, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I've, I've had a lot of those situations. Um, and I think they've usually centered around what is or isn't something, you know, <clears throat> like what is or isn't homophobia. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to be real honest with you. I am exhausted at hearing the opinions from cisgendered heterosexuals on the topic. You've had your time with the mic. I'm done listening. It's our time to speak. I just, it, you're gonna, you're gonna get pushback, but it's, it's okay. And you will find the people who push back the most are micromanagers and narcissists because they don't think that boundaries apply to them. And dealing with those types is very difficult and outside the scope of this call. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And it's definitely, and it shows you that that's not your job. If you set that boundary with those type of people and you realize, holy crap, that person's a monster and they need professional help beyond my job description, maybe it's time for me to leave mm -hmm. this organization because there's nothing more I can do. That is not what I was hired to do, to walk you through how to be a better manager, to walk you through how to not be a hom homophobe. That is not what I'm here to do. And I want to work somewhere in an environment where I don't have to do that, where I can just be myself and just do my job. Ooh. <laughs> and also, you know, work with cool people and other stuff. Snacks, they give snacks sometimes. <laughs> I don't with care all about that snacks. being said, <laughs> HR is a really hard place to grow and to set boundaries, especially because we're trying to push the policies that an organization has written for us. Um, why do you stay in your field of HR, knowing that it's going to be difficult? 
Because the workplace still isn't human enough to welcome a 19-year-old Aaron. Oh no. I I mean, it's a large part of why I do this. I don't tell a lot of people, but it the the thing that got me into HR is because the very first job I ever tried to get was with, with Spencer's Gifts in a mall, one of the gayest places in all of the mall. They were the only place at the time. I was 15, 16, you know, so 15, 16 years ago or something like that. It was the only place that had rainbow paraphernalia. This is the gayest place in the mall. And they told me I was too gay to work there. I won't use their exact words, but that was the sentiment. And that messed me up for a long time. I thought I was too gay to work anywhere. I thought gayness wasn't okay in the workplace because especially at that time, the examples of gayness were exaggerated. There, there weren't role models for us. Um, so, you know, that's why I do this work is because it's still not ready for 19 year old me. And because wrongful termination still happens every single day across this country. And, you know, if I can stop one of them, I've done my job that day. Even if it, whether it's direct or indirect because of someone I've influenced or someone who I've caused to change about how they approach their relationships at work, then that's, that's the validation and the reason I do this. Um, you know, there's just still so many people that need a champion in their corner to give them a chance. And when you do that, businesses thrive. And like, that's, that's why I'm here. I'm here to support your business by helping you from yourself, like saving you from yourself often. Oh, Erin. Okay. I think I've had a cry break about three times throughout this episode. And you know what? That's okay. I heard, well, I heard it's okay to cry. I've never, you know. <laughs> but you can cry with me. It's always no, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that with me. But it also goes back to how traumatic is that? How traumatic right. is it for someone to say you are too gay to work here? And then imagine someone asking you about, like, hey, how come I can't be homophobic at work? Oh, let me just. Let me just explain why for you. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Do you have three hours to talk about the trauma that I have developed over my years? No, yeah, you no do kidding. not. And I don't have to share that with you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, boundaries, man. They are important. And everyone who is in this room right now, I hope if you don't take anything else from this, know that um, if you are struggling with boundaries like I am, or if you are an Aaron and you, are, you have boundaries on lock, sometimes not on lock, but all the way on lock for most of the time, um, just know that you're doing the right thing. We are growing as people and we are setting boundaries to preserve ourselves and to be ourselves at work. Ooh, okay, Erin, before I open it to the floor, I have one more question for you. For that 19-year-old Erin that's out there that's trying to find a job, what are the top three tips you have for him on how to set boundaries at work? Ooh. Don't be afraid, little one. It's okay. It's scary. Um, people probably aren't going to react the way that you think they are. Um, be true to yourself. 
there's always more work out there. There's always another job. There's always another company. Um, you know, just focus on you. Uh, your personal time is fully your time. Don't, don't let work dip into that unless that's something that you have uh, like agreed to with your inner self. Um, and set the bound, set the, the boundary that you're gonna have balance in your relationships. Not all of your friends can be from work. Oh, I hope 19 year old Aaron heard that because not, these people are not your friends. Oh my gosh, if I had heard that at 19, oh. It would have yeah. changed some things, wouldn't it? This show probably wouldn't exist. <laughs> because but you'd I'm, be bigger, better things. But I'm glad I'm hearing it today. And I hope everyone in this room is hearing it today. Um, not everyone that gets on the plane or not everyone that wants a ticket can get on the plane. And you got to make sure what ticket they have. Is this a first class flight all the way through for the rest of my life? Or is this a um, business class flight that gets off at the next stop? You go ahead and leave. And this was all that our relationship had. Those are boundaries as well. No, be intentional with those relationships. Oh my gosh, Aaron, where were you when I was 19 and looking for a job? Anyway, I am now at the segment of where I'm gonna open it to the floor. I'm also gonna read the chat real quick and see that's where I walked into the EEOC. Oh Lord. Oh, so <laughs> Kristen does make a, a valid point that that exists. That is a resource that you have. Kristen, do you wanna expound upon that point? Yeah, absolutely. And so that comment was actually in regard to uh, Aaron saying, you know, what do you do after that, right? And so thinking about, well, I don't want to work with a manager who is homophobic. It's also a point where you, sometimes you have to go beyond HR, right? So I'm in HR, I've been in HR for quite some time, and then transitioned over to a diversity team. And, you know, so I got my start in DI a long time ago, but I also know that HR is not always by the books. And sometimes HR needs an HR and then that HR needs an HR, which is the EEOC. And a lot of times people are very fearful because of retaliation. Um, and so I say, if you don't feel comfortable going to someone in HR to help set that boundary, go to the EEOC office and they will help set the boundary for you as well. Absolutely. And walk their asses to the trial. <laughs> <laughs> What a great resource that a lot of people don't know about. So if, if you are in this room right now and you did not know about that, please write it down in your notebook or I'm writing it down as well. So I make sure anytime <laughs> I talk to a client who's saying they're having difficulties, they're trying to make a transition because of the awful organization they're a part of, but like, oh, have you talked to the EEOC? Oh, let's go talk to yeah. them. <laughs> they can be a wonderful resource. And I think that when we think about the EEOC, we're thinking, oh, well, you know, that a lot of forms I have to complete. It literally takes 10 minutes to submit a complaint. Uh, and each time something occurs, you go in and submit that complaint. It may take them two or three months to follow back up with you because they're so busy, but they do get to you. And whether or not they get to you while you're there at the organization, it's the fact that nobody else should be treated the way that you've been treated after you left as well. And if memory serves, the EEOC will serve lawsuits on your behalf, even after you've left. That is so, correct. Yep. 
awesome, mm. awesome knowledge. Ooh, got it. That's what we need, resources, because we are part of those marginalized groups that don't get those resources and we need them. Okay, so I will open it up to the floor and say, does anybody have any questions for Aaron? He is in the hot seat right now. He's the expert in setting boundaries and he can answer any questions for you. Does anybody have any questions for him? Oh, yeah, you can come off mute and just ask. So Aaron, I'm just very curious. I've been in a couple of interviews and sometimes, and obviously we know that no one is supposed to ask about personal or family or anything like that, but sometimes, mm -hmm to make people more comfortable. Recruiters and hiring managers will start to just openly talk about their own uh, personal family and their relationships, trying to maybe kind of, maybe create a path of trust, if you will. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Have you felt compelled to share about your own personal, um, your own personal life and you know who you're dating or your identity during a job interview? And even, uh, I'm gonna give you a double edge question here. So in the interview process, but even also, when you come into the office, oh, how was the weekend? Do you feel compelled to share there as well if the, your weekend activities included your partner? That's a good question. Thank you, Kristen. <clears throat> um, I, I personally don't. I don't. I, I do not feel obligated to give you any details about my life. Um, there, in, in past roles, I have drawn very clear boundaries that my personal time is my personal time. And I generally don't tell people about it. Um, <clears throat> it's hard sometimes because, you know, people get, they think you may not be like a team player because you don't want to tell them all the details about your personal life. But if, you know, in those situations, I personally, I'll offer up something else that's, you know, maybe less personal. Like, I, like, oh, okay, you know, great about your partner, whatever. Um, I like Star Trek. <laughs> lots of stuff in Star Trek. <laughs> I'll be personable, but like, you don't, you don't need to know who my partner is, what they do, or, you know, any of that. Um, you can still know me as an individual without knowing every single detail about my life. Um, you know, you, you already get this little portal into my home, which is more than I would give people under any other circumstance. Um, you know, like this is my sacred little chamber of my, my, my Zen place. So letting people into that space in the first place is a privilege and they should recognize it as such. Thank you, Erin. I just want to emphasize the fact that that is something that people that are part of this community have to think about. People outside of the community do not have to think about that. Like, oh, if I say partner, are they going to start discriminating against me? Oh, if I say my wife or my, you know, that is something that's only members of this community have to worry about. Uh, Nancy, Sally, Julie, or whatever, they can just say, oh, me and my husband barbecued and did this and had, we had the dog over and da, 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 da. They do not have to think about the traumatic experiences that will happen after they describe the events of the weekend. Ooh, but that is a whole nother that, topic. <laughs> oh, go ahead. That actually, I had a very similar question as Kristen's, and it was related to what you just said, because I am not LGBTQ, but I'm very sensitive to it, and I want everybody to trust me, to know with me it's okay. 
and and this is always uh, but they don't i don't want them to feel they have to tell me like you're saying uh i can easily say i did that with my boyfriend and that's it they know but yeah exactly what you said i don't have this thought of should i or should i not or should i say it or not and and i wish it was the case for everybody you know and so my question was partly what Kristen asked, but also how can I make you trust me? And with Aaron, I know the answer because <laughs> I know Aaron, together. full disclosure, <laughs> and it, it worked out pretty, you tell me if you felt the same way, but yeah. I think we quickly understood <laughs> where we were each at. But in general, how do you, how can someone make you trust them that it's gonna be okay? Do you have a feeling or? Yeah. Oh, it's tough. Um, Is it you know, too deep? I, no, no. Yeah. I I am a sharer. Like I share a lot about my life, but or at least the, the information I share gives people the perception that they know a lot about my life. I will share like a top level detail that you can, um, you know, identify with, understand, pinpoint like conceptualize, but I'm not going to tell you the 10 or 11 other things underneath that, that really compound that. So, you know, I, I thinking back on my own life, I did the partner thing or spouse or whatever. Um, and because I was legitimately scared of losing my job, but, uh, less fearful now these days, I, I don't care. Fire me. What are you going to do? <laughs> I will be okay. Um, but I, I wish other people could have that energy. Um, like it's really gonna be fine. So, so what will make you trust someone? I, uh, there's me? nothing um, you just being, say or- Just time. I think without time is a big one. Time, yeah. time, uh, shared experience. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I need to see how you interact with others. I need to see how you treat others. I need to see how you disagree with people first. Um, those are all contextual elements that contribute to if and when and how much I share with people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if if I get the impression that you're out, you're you only care about yourself and you you're looking out for number one and no other, then. I'm probably not going to tell you anything about my life. If, you know, everything you say is about me, 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 probably not going to share with you because I don't really trust you because you only talk about yourself. Did that like, help answer your it, question? It's, it does. It's difficult. It's a, I'm always, you don't want it to be the elephant in the room at the same time. You don't want people to be afraid of even... I don't know how to say. <laughs> you don't want to ignore it, but you don't want to advertise it. There, there must be a <laughs> a balance to find, and I. Uh, that's why I'm here today. Also, partly when I write boundaries, that's what I thought of: is how how do you live this when you meet people again? Because I don't have to say I'm this or that, and you don't have to say it either. But maybe you want people to know or not. You know, <laughs> that's. I think it's when all I saw situational. Boundaries, that's what I thought of. How how it's, you deal with that? Yeah. yeah, 
I think so much of this is situational and, and experiential and just, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think it all depends on you and where you're at in your personal journey and in, in being able to set these things. Um, but in general, I would like for people to try doing things that scare them a little bit more. Um, you know, if you're afraid of setting that boundary, maybe think for a little bit about how, you know, what that boundary is and the various ways you can pose it to someone. Um, and, you know, take that leap of faith. Uh, yeah, I just and want to support you in, in this and say, yeah. um, everyone's experiences are different. Everyone's experiences. Aaron's experiences are different than my experiences. My experiences are different than yours. And everyone in this room had different experiences as far as being a part of this community. So we would not be able to provide an answer of, how do I get uh, people that are part of this right. community to trust me openly without me putting in any effort? It, so work? I would, yeah, like just be a general. No, how you person. trust them is more the. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. then that's. Well, is there a secret thing we can, like, uh, like no... Aaron was saying, the safe word? <laughs> like, there's... you know, I'm joking. I know there's none, but I have, I don't know. It's something I'm. I feel everything you've been saying, I can't imagine how unfair and how tough it is. That's why I'm here today. Again, I, I, I want to make the world a better place and listening to you is This is an example impressive. of educating yourself. Yeah. This, is a, this is a perfect example of, you know, someone educating themselves to, to understand these issues better. I may happen to work with you. So I, it is me, you know, like kind of explaining these things to you a little bit, but um, you know, given the, the setting of the forum, it's, it's a little different and um, it's, it's good and more people should seek to learn. Thank you, Thank you so much for your Thank question. You. Does anyone else on the floor have a question for Aaron before I take him off the hot seat? Cause this is getting hot. <laughs> No, no questions. All right. Check the chat. I see my question. Thanks, Kristen. Okay. Now I have one question for you, Erin, before I do my little wrap up. Um, mm -hmm. So I um, have been heteronormative for a really long time. I, and I haven't um, identified as queer until you came into my life. Um, until you started setting, okay, I don't want to cry, but you started setting examples about how to be just your genuine self. Um, mm -hmm. I am bisexual, but I identify as queer because it's easier for people to digest, I think. Um, when they hear the word bisexual, they, it, you know. Um, There's preconceived notions and things like that. Um, what are the things that you could tell someone who is living a heteronormative life um, and just trying to fit in right now, what are, I guess, two things that you would tell them about just being yourself? Take your time. It's your, your journey. No one can tell you when to go to the next stop. Um, you know, it's the pace you go at, how far you go. These are all things that are up to you. And secondly, 
there is community with open arms waiting for you and happy to help you with all of the challenges that life presents. Um, just look for the people that are helping. You will see them. We're out there. And I just once again want to thank Erin for being here and being the powerhouse speaker that I needed for this evening. Um, I thank all of you for being in this room. If you love this episode, please remember to donate to Fill Your Cup Career Services slash absolutely not so we can continue to have conversations like this and provide resources to people who, like Anyel, just want to learn about how to be better people in the community and help other people. Because that's what this is about is setting those boundaries, being better human beings, and having other human beings be better to us about it. Erin, um, do you have anything else to say to the group before we do our farewells? Uh, no, just that I'm very grateful to you, Katrina, for starting this, this show and for putting yourself out there and being willing to, you know, try something, even though you're, you're not sure of how to do it yourself. I think that's that's really courageous and you should be very proud of yourself for, for going on this journey. Uh, okay, there's a lot of cry breaks already. So I'll save this cry break for my own household. After <laughs> but once again, thank you all for coming out today. I would encourage you all to use, utilize the chat for these last couple of minutes, drop your LinkedIn's in there, drop your networking's, whatever have you, so you can get connected with everyone else. And I will play some walk me out music. Hold on. <laughs>